0: The miracle of Jesus walking on the water is recorded in three of the Gospels uh, that we read, obviously, from Matthew, but it's also in Mark and uh, the Gospel of John. <laughs> and as I said earlier, it comes straight after the uh, miraculous feeding of the 5,000 with only five loaves of bread and two fish. Uh, scholars would tell you that actually 5,000 is probably only the count of the number of men at that uh, scene, there were probably uh, a similar number of women and children. And in the culture of that day, the women and children would eat separately from the men. So there was may have been a feeding of about 10, almost to 15,000 uh, done by that miracle. But it's the miracle of uh, Jesus walking on the water that more than any other convinced Jesus' disciples that he was indeed the Son of God. So the story unfolds in the Sea of Galilee. If we can have a map, there we are. You can see the Sea of Galilee. Galilee at the top part of the picture there. It's uh, a freshwater inland uh, lake, uh, and it's the River Jordan that flows into it and out of it and flows down to the walls the uh, Dead Sea at the bottom. And uh, it's um, surrounded by mountains. Um, about, There we are, it's a topographical map. You can see um, they're quite uh, steep all around. They rise up to about 4,000 feet above sea level. The lake itself is about 700 feet below uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And the Sea of Galilee lies in this uh, Jordan Rift Valley, which forms part of the large East African Rift Valley as well, which is a huge uh, sort of chasm in the earth caused by seismic events millions of years ago. It's about 13 miles uh, long from north to south and about seven miles wide and about 150 feet deep. Now, uh, meteorologists will tell you that one of the most noteworthy aspects of this body of water is that they're great, it's greatly susceptible to sudden storms. And it's caused by um, cold air coming down off these mountains and then colliding with the warm air that's on the uh, lake itself, the sea itself, And this collision can cause sudden violent storms. uh, And you can get waves up to about 20 feet uh, suddenly to happen out of nowhere. Um, I knew that A-level geography would come in handy one of these days. (laughs) Probably about the only time I've ever used it. (laughs) So in the Bible, we repeatedly have people who experience uh, an encounter with God uh, that leads them into a different way of life. And this pattern occurs over and over. Uh, God appears, makes a call on an ordinary person, uh, for example he calls Abraham, he calls Moses, he calls David, and then almost always the person is quite afraid of what God is asking them to do. So God promises that, I will be with you, don't be afraid, don't worry. And then that person has to make a decision, I mean, remember the story of Jonah. Don't we? Where Jonah packs his bags and goes in completely the opposite direction uh, just to avoid having to uh, sort of do what God wants him to do. And I can imagine in my own mind's eye of sort of God with this almost like a military tactician sort of table with putting all the things, events into place, and then suddenly the person he's dealing with says, No, I don't want to do that. And we go off in a different direction, and then God's sort of holding his head in his hand saying, I've now got to move all these around here just to get contact with you. But, of course, God is almighty, so he can do anything. But sometimes people do say yes to God, and their world is never quite the same. Sometimes people say no. I mean, do you remember the story of the rich young ruler who would not sell all that he had and follow Jesus with wild abandon? So he never entered into that risky uh, adventure of, uh, of faith with God. And talking of a risky faith with God, we now go back to this passage in the Bible of Christ walking on the water during a storm on the Sea of Galilee. So you've got the disciples in this storm-tossed boat, and initially they're terrified. I mean, who wouldn't be terrified in that situation? The event occurs during the fourth watch of the night, which is between three in the morning and six in the morning. And these disciples have been struggling to get that boat across the Sea of Galilee for about eight to nine hours. So it must have been quite a a storm. And these are, a lot of them are experienced fishermen who wouldn't have a problem. Uh, They probably couldn't put the sails up because um, of the wind, so they had to probably just row, but they seem to be getting nowhere. And they ended up with the boat being about three to four miles out into the middle of the lake. And suddenly they look around and they see a man walking towards them. And in verse 26 we read that the disciples became terrified and they cry out in fear, thinking it's a ghost. Well, I guess who wouldn't be frightened? I mean, human beings cannot walk on water unless it's frozen, of course, which... It clearly wasn't in this instance. So the sight of a man standing on water about four miles from land is going to cause quite a stir. Just take a look at this video clip. This is um, a magician called Dynamo walking on the River Thames. I wonder if my life has all been an illusion. But if there's one thing I've learned, it's that reality is only what you make it. just a magic trick. (laughs) Uh, What had happened, it had taken three months to set that up. Uh, They had to get permission from the Port of London Authority, uh, the River Police, who were in on the trick. Uh, Even the canoeists were in on the trick. They'd worked out tide levels, hidden platforms under the Thames. Uh, So it's all an illusion. But this miracle of Jesus wasn't an illusion. It wasn't a trick. So we go back to the Sea of Galilee, and we have the terrified disciples thinking that this person standing on the water four miles out from land surely must be a ghost. So immediately Jesus says, look, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And some scholars say the phrase, it is I, is using the holy word for Yahweh, for I am. I am God, to reassure them that it's God in front of them. At this point, Peter shouts out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. So the rest of the disciples watch carefully, because they're used to Peter being the rather impetuous one, aren't they? Often opening his mouth first and then engaging the brain a bit later on. And they want to know if he's gonna follow through with this deal. So he puts one foot over the side of the boat and then, perhaps rather gingerly, lets go. And for the first time in human history, an ordinary man is born up on the water. It is a remarkable story. Because Peter experiences God enabling him to do what he could never do on his own, to walk on water. But of course, Peter's faith gives out. He doesn't keep his focus on Christ. He starts to look at the wind and the waves and he begins to sink. And so we say to ourselves, well, did Peter fail? Well, I think he did at least in one significant way. He took his eyes off Jesus. His faith wavered and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches out his hand and catches him and says you of little faith why did you doubt and then they climb back in the boat and the wind dies down and then in verse 33 it says then those who were in the boat worshipped him saying truly you are the son of god but you see although peter's faith had faltered that night yet he experienced a few things that perhaps the other disciples hadn't experienced. Only Peter knew of the glory of walking on the water. And when people walk on the water, when people trust God and experience God's power, enabling them to do what they couldn't do otherwise, then I think it marks them out. And I can imagine Peter carrying that um, memory of his walking on the water all his life. And another thing, only Peter knew that when he sank, Jesus would be there. Jesus' love would surround Peter and lift him up when he needed it most. And often in moments of trial and trouble and despair, we do cry out, don't we? We cry out thinking, Jesus, you seem to be a long way off, where are you? But he's not, he is right there beside you. You have to remember, Jesus said he will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be of little faith, as Jesus gently chided Peter. Reach out for that firm grasp of the hand of Christ. The other disciples could not know that because they never got out of the boat. And this is the fundamental truth. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, you've got to take that step of faith. It involves risky obedience. When we learn to discern the calling of God in our lives and respond with, yes, and we do get out of the boat, we really do experience God's power in our lives. So what keeps us from stepping out of the boat? Fear? I suppose that keeps us from fully trusting God and experiencing what God wants us to do. And another thing that keeps us from getting out of the boat is comfort, isn't it? We all love our comfort zones, don't we? Trying something new or strange is risky. We like things that are familiar. I mean, even in our church life, we like the familiar. We don't mind being challenged a a little bit, do we? We don't want to be pushed too far, though. And this applies to us individually as well as corporately as a church. But a life lived as God wants us to live it, walking in faith, trusting in God, focusing on Christ as our Saviour, will be immeasurably more exciting and fulfilling than just sitting in the comfort of the boat. I guess the other disciples, they were kind of boat potatoes, weren't they? Uh, They were willing to follow Jesus but they wanted him to comfort them in the midst of the storm. And life's storms will strike everybody. But the disciples didn't want to risk getting out of the boat. But Peter got out of the boat, and he didn't do it just because it would be exciting. His primary reason was because that's where Jesus was. Jesus was out of the boat and on the water. Peter wanted to be alongside Jesus. And Jesus is still looking for people who will get out of the boat. When somebody decides to get out of the boat, they're never quite the same. And I don't know what this means for you, but I do know a few examples um, from this church. Take Charlie and Sharon Watt. Some years ago, they had a call from God. They believed that it was appropriate to set up a charity based in Africa, in Zambia, to train mechanics and to give them sort of Christian principles as part of that training. They had faith to get out of the boat, focus on Christ, and walk that journey with God. And look at it now. It's a fantastic charity that we all know and support here. Uh, currently run by Jason and Claire Stonia. And look at the lives that that charity has touched, the hundreds of young men and women who have been affected by that work through that moment of walk with faith. Uh, We've been reading over these summer weeks about the um, blog from Natasha Ho, haven't we? Who has taken a step of faith, going out to a very remote part of Zambia to work on that hospital building project fantastic sort of experience that she's had walking close to God walking with God and that project will again impact on many many hundreds of lives there's another um, one I want to mention I've recently um, read this book it's called Kisses from Katie might have a slide there we are it's a fantastic read Katie Davis, a young American uh, girl. Um, She'd finished school, about to go to university, and uh, she had a feeling that she wanted to do a gap year before going to university, so she decided to go from America and go and work out in Uganda for a period of about roughly 12 months. And uh, she taught sort of, um, I suppose, sort of kindergarten aged children out there came back from that experience to her home thinking that the next step was university and then she had this back of her mind, something wasn't quite right, she could sense God was calling her back. So she then took the decision to get out of the boat and take that walk of faith with God and she went back to Uganda she said goodbye to the university she said goodbye to her lovely yellow convertible car, said goodbye to the boyfriend, said goodbye to the designer clothes, and then has now been based in Uganda. Um, And she got there and one of the first experiences she had was um, witnessing this terrible tragedy where a wall had fallen on, um, she works with the slum children, but a wall had fallen on a parent of these children and there were three orphan children so she decided to take them home uh, as a temporary measure. And then on day three, while she was trying to work out what to do with these children, one of them called her mummy. I, I welled up thinking about it, but it, it broke her heart. So she, she found this um, ministry called Umazima Ministries. And uh, this is all before she's... Um, she starts this at age 19. And this uh, ministry educates and encourages uh, orphaned and vulnerable children and the poor in around uh, Masisi in Uganda. And uh, Masamu means truth. And uh, she's got several sort of um, branches of this ministry. One is educational sponsorship. Um, many Christian organizations uh, have child sponsorship and this one does as well but it provides education for the poor as well as um, sending about 600 orphaned and vulnerable children to a Christian school where they're fed they're given uh, school supplies medical care and spiritual guidance. They have another branch which is called Masizi outreach and this is dedicated to loving the slum community where the poorest of the poor struggle to live every day And they provide, in that programme, daily feeding programmes. They give free mosquito nets, uh, HIV management and counselling. They give uh, free low-cost health care, malnutrition, rehabilitation, and, of course, also there's Bible studies as part of that. There's another branch of this charity which deals with community outreach. And every Saturday, the sponsored children come into a pavilion that they've set up to, for Bible study, for worship, for lunch, and lots of play. And this is all led by local Ugandan men because it was felt appropriate that the children should have a male role model and a spiritual leader. So while much of the children's lives are unstable and unpredictable, the children do rely on seeing the loving faces of friends and mentors each Saturday. There's a vocational project as well. They have They know that some life is difficult out there, there's no jobs, unsanitary living conditions, and malnutrition and disease. So they've set up these self-sustainable ideas where women learn different craft skills. They make things like necklaces and things that can be sent out to the West and be sold in the West. So they're learning new skills, they're making money as well at the same time that's coming back and being ploughed back into the charity. And, of course, also, the important thing is disciple. So every outreach activity has an element of discipleship, biblical teaching, spiritual encouragement, and all this sparked by a young woman who decided she would step out of the boat and go on that walk of faith with God. She says, I've learnt that I will not change the world, but Jesus will do that. I can, however, change the world for one person. So I keep stopping and I keep loving one person at a time because this is my call as a Christian. Katie Davis has now adopted 14 young children officially. It just shows you what can happen if you get out of the boat. So when we take God's call seriously and we have the faith to get out of the boat, something's going to change. Your life will never be the same, and your world will never be the same, but it will be a life of obedience and trust in God. Now, I'm not suggesting we all go out and work in Africa or form some form of charity. I think you need to wait to hear God's call on your life, and it can come at any time. doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old. It can come at any time. Don't do what Jonah did and go in the other direction. Do what Peter did, step out of the boat. It's your choice. You can stay in the boat, in the nice comfort zone, trying to cope with life's storms, still buffeting you, still crying out to God to help you, wondering where he is, perhaps being of little faith, but remember this, if you want to walk on water, you've got To get out of the boat. Let's uh, pray.